This is a reminder, you're listening to the delayed broadcast here on Faith FM. If you would like to listen to the live show live and participate in the quiz and the prizes and all the other fun things that happen on Faith FM Breakfast Show, then simply download the Faith FM app available on Apple or Android platforms. Welcome back, everybody. That was the news. Can you yes. believe we have the news back yes. again? I, I saw it. I heard it. I can believe it. I, I don't believe that you saw it. Well, I did on the screen. <laughs> uh, big congratulations to uh, producer Shell. We've uh, a bit of a workaround happening at the moment so that mm. we actually have the news up and running and we're super excited about that. Okay, so for those of you who are faithful Breakfast Show listeners, um, of course you will remember that last year the Breakfast Show was supposed to be closing down, but because you all uh, worked so hard to keep it going, we are still here. Praise God. Mm-hmm. And then, uh, uh, of course, with the Breakfast Show continuing, it means that there are a whole bunch of contracts coming to an end, uh, which means that we need to rebuild the Breakfast Show. Mm-hmm. So over the next few weeks, expect a few more changes to take place as we rebuild the breakfast show in a format that we hope to be able to continue until the Lord returns or the tri- trouble begins or the mark of the beast is enforced or whatever it is that might bring all of this to <laughs> an end. In fact, once the mark of the beast is enforced, Lawson, let's just go and do this underground somewhere. What do oh, you say? Dude, yeah, I'm keen. Let's go. Let's go hang out in a cave. Broadcasting from the breakfast show from a cave, Waldensian style, bro. Absolutely, that would be... we'll, we'll call it the Waldensian show. Ah, oh, yes, <laughs> that is genius. They should just, we just be came doing up. We that just came now. up with a brand. Oh, let's move to like, <laughs> let's move to like the Middle East and just run the Waldensian show now. Well, we've done it from Ethiopia. Yeah, but we went and persecuted that was, there. But what, Ethiopia was a part of the church in the wilderness. Yeah, sure. So we could we could we could do that. The wilderness show. The, wil- the, wilderness, the wilderness show. The wilder- we are Lionel Lawson, the wilderness Waldensies coming at you with radio. It's yeah. a little bit too much like a voice in the wilderness. I don't want to usurp John the Baptist brand. <laughs> but fuck. I'm pretty sure it's not copyrighted. Um, no, nah, we're gonna we're gonna come up with a great brand for uh, the breakfast show. We're gonna have uh, we got we got the news happening. We're gonna be just um, yeah, adding some amazing stuff in over the next few weeks. So stay tuned, stay with us. Exciting things happening, and of course we have a big a strategic plan to be able to make this uh, something that will be viable mm. for uh, the, for the future. Mm-hmm. That's the plan. That is the plan. Yeah, yeah, I'm keen. Glad to be All part right. of it. Sweet. Okay, where are we up to? We are up to our Bible study time. Let me bring up the Bible study. I think we must be up to Daniel chapter 2. Is that right? We did Daniel chapter 1. I think we've done Daniel chapter 1 fairly thoroughly. I think we talked about Daniel chapter 1 for like two weeks, which is just... Yeah, but you have to because you've got so much historical background so that we understand, you know, what the whole... What's going on? What's going on? Yeah. Um, So it's required to spend time on chapter one. It sets up the whole book. It has the themes. It has the author. So good. It has the central figure. It has. It's all there in chapter one. So we've we've dealt with that now. So we can move on to to chapter two. And if you could read for us, Lawson, chapter two and verse one, please. Oh man, this is hard. I've memorized this in a different translation, and so oh. I'm like, "Ooh, okay." No, it's all good. It's going to be rough. One night during the second year of his reign, Nebuchadnezzar had such disturbing dreams that he couldn't sleep. He called his magicians, enchanters, 
um, sorcerers and astrologers, and he demanded that they tell him what he had dreamed as they stood Okay, wait, 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 wait. we'll stop there in verse 1. Verse, verse 1 is where we need to go to. Okay, so this is... Um, that was really weird, Lawson. Yeah, that was really weird. Yeah. <laughs> that was... I've memorized that in the KJV. You memorized it, what, in the KJV? New King James, yeah. And to read it from the NLT was like, what even is that? What even is <laughs> that? <laughs> Are you reading from a different uh, sacred book here or something or other? <laughs> but, Just, you know, it still gets the gist across. That's right. Okay, so what year of Nebuchadnezzar's reign was this? We're in the second year. Second year of his reign. So he's still a young man. Mm-hmm. Um. And so, you know, what is he, late 20s, early 30s? He is, yeah, probably not that much older than you, Lawson. Mm. Significantly younger than what I am. He is still in the process of consolidating his rulership. Mm-hmm. And so what you'll find is with a lot of these ancient kings that are particularly emperors that rule over a large portion of the world, there is a period of consolidation that mm. takes place. If you look at it uh, with King David, for instance, is a classic example of how this worked in the ancient world. King David comes to power, but initially he is only the king over Judah and Benjamin. That's all. Mm. And, you know, there's like a seven-year struggle, and he rules from Hebron before he moves his capital up to Jerusalem and unites all 12 tribes Mm. into one nation. If you look at what happens when Nebuchadnezzar dies, you have descendants of Nebuchadnezzar and you have sons-in-law of Nebuchadnezzar who fight over the throne Mm. and rule for short periods of time, you know, from a matter of months to a couple of years. Um, I think one of them even makes it to about six years until Nabonidus is able to stabilize the empire. Mm. Um, and and, And so this is not unusual. When Nebuchadnezzar came to power, as we mentioned uh, a couple of weeks ago, you know when his father died, Nebuchadnezzar was on military campaign in Judea, and he made a forced march mm. straight across the Arabian Desert to get back to the capital city to secure his throne because if he wasn't back there almost instantaneously, and he got back in two weeks, which is pretty special yeah, effort. Yeah, very quick. Um, yeah, you try that. <laughs> Even today, try that in a car. It's not that far in a car, but by the time you cross all those borders and get through all those checkpoints, it's going to be challenging for you. Mm. Um, And he had lots of borders to cross and lots of checkpoints and lots of chieftains' territories to go through, etc., etc. But he had to get back there so quickly because the throne was so fragile in those days. If there Mm. wasn't somebody sitting on it, somebody else would fill that vacuum almost instantly. And then he'd have a civil war in his Mm. hands. Mm. So he's still in a in a fragile period. He's still in a period where he is marking his territory. He is establishing his authority. He is establishing his credibility. Mm. So that's something that we need to take notice of. You know, the second year of Nebuchadnezzar's reign. The other thing that we need to remember is how old was Daniel when Daniel and his friends when they went were taken captive to Babylon? They're, they're around like fifteen, fifteen to eighteen. Mm. They're within that age bracket. And so, how old are they now? Uh, yeah, pretty much. 16 to 19. Yeah. That's right. One year older than Daniel chapter one. Yes, when it's the second year and Daniel chapter one is in the first year, then everybody gets one year older. Yeah. That's how it works. 
we are mathematicians here. Of just incredible genius. Do you know how many inches are in half a meter? Because I, I do. Yeah. Nineteen point seven. Um, <clears throat> that was from earlier in the show. Inside joke for those of you who are just tuning in. Uh, where were we? So getting back to more serious matters. The uh, so so Daniel and his friends. They are also still very young. Mm-hmm. Their status has changed. In chapter one, they begin as slaves, mm. captives. They are now students. Mm. The Bible says that they study for three years. So the, the full course of study in the University of Babylon was a three-year course. And so they are kind of mid-course. Mm. So they're young guys halfway through their studies. And it's worth considering. The Bible says that when they graduated from their course, that they were found, the four of them were found to be ten times wiser than all of the wisest men of Babylon. Mm. So these guys are absolute geniuses, and yeah. Daniel is the genius of the geniuses. Mm. Now, what is interesting is how much knowledge has been passed down to us from Babylon that still exists today. Mm. We still use... Babylonian genius today. Yeah. So the Babylonian mathematical system uh, was built around the number 60. Mm-hmm. The decimal system is built around the number 10. Uh, the binary system is built around the number, well, ones and zeros. One and zero, yep. And so it was built around the number 60. The reason it was built that way was because that was linked to the Babylonian system of worship. Mm-hmm which was built around the number six, which was the sacred number of uh, Babylon. And um, there were 36 signs to the Babylonian zodiac, and 36 times six adds up to 666. And so these were very, very sacred numbers to Babylonian religion. We need to remember that this was Satan's empire. Mm. What's fascinating is that Daniel comes along. He does not try and change this. But the question that goes through my mind is now that we still have a 24-hour day, which is built around that um, six... Um, system, and we still use it to this day, how much of that may have originated with Daniel himself? You're listening to Faith FM, positively different radio. And, of course, if you are from the United States or from, I think it's Angola, I think there's one other country in the world that still uses... uh, the uh, imperial. imperial system or well, standard system? Well, England, oh, England uses as well. miles per hour, but I don't think... I think they use the metric system. I think they use... Yeah, yeah, they're a bit of a hybrid system. Over yeah, there. yeah. Uh, so you are like three countries in the world that still use that system. That's all built around the Babylonian system. Mm. So this has come down to us from Babylon. And what's interesting about that is that when the French had the French Revolution, the whole French idea of the French Revolution was to get rid of religion. They saw religion as being the enemy. And they wanted equality, and religion had created inequality, so it was a big war against religion. Mm. And so they outlawed the Bible, they outlawed religion, they outlawed God, they banned the existence of God, as if you can do that. (laughs) And one of the things that they did was get rid of, they they invented the decimal system. The purpose for inventing the decimal system was that they recognized that the imperial system or the standard system had come down from Babylon as a religious system. Mm. So the decimal system, the metric system, was invented 
as an anti-religious system. Mm-hmm. So should we reject it in favor of a religious system that is pagan? That is pagan. <laughs> oh, it fascinates me. Some of these people that you come across are like, yes, we can't have this because it's pagan. We can't have that because it's pagan. And yet they use pagan systems all over the place every day when they look at their watch mm. or they mention the days of the week. Mm. Or they look at their calendar. These are all pagan systems. They are soaked in paganism. Or if they're in the United States or England, whenever they talk about you know measurements and miles per hour and acres and these kind of things, are all pagan systems that were a part of pagan uh, worship and are all built around you know the whole six 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 system. Mm. Of course, the big point is it's like that we don't worship them. That's right. Like, there's nothing inherently yeah. wrong with pagan systems, and this is the point that Paul makes because pagan is pagan gods don't exist. Exactly. <laughs> goes to great length about food offered to our idols. Like, yep, it's just food. I'll eat it. I couldn't care less whether it was used in pagan worship or not. It's just food. There's no <laughs> such thing as an idol. Those gods don't exist, mm. so we don't need to worry about those. But uh, I do see people who take things to uh, extremes like, oh, this comes from a pagan origin, therefore we can't have anything to do with it. Mm. No, Satan is not attached to things. Mm. Satan is attached to people. And often the reason that Satan moves with those things is because those things belong to people because they have refused to give those things up because of where their heart is. Mm. The issue is where your heart is. Okay, so uh, where were we talking about? So we're talking about uh, the genius of Babylon. They needed this level of genius because Nebuchadnezzar goes on to become the greatest builder of the Mm. ancient world. And he builds the greatest city the world will know for literally millennia. Mm. You know, this is a city that outranks every other ancient city that has existed in the past 2,000 years. Wow. You know, so this is, this is something like the world has never seen. It is the most heavily fortified city. It is built across the river Euphrates. Mm. You know, who does that? It's like, we need a water supply for our city. Um, we'll use one of the world's biggest rivers. Yes, we'll run it straight through the middle of our city and we will fortify both sides of that river. Mm. Mate, what a gun. You know, Jerusalem was an incredible fortress, fortress city. But when you consider Jerusalem as a fortress city, it had a spring. Yeah, wow. So it's impossible to run out of water. Jerusalem has a spring. Mm. And it was considered to be one of the greatest fortresses of the ancient world mm. with a spring. With a spring. Nebuchadnezzar's like, forget a spring. <laughs> I'll take the entire Euphrates. Thank you very much. Mm. Run it right through the middle of my city. <laughs> That's genius. As you do if you're Nebuchadnezzar. He, he, marries a, uh, he marries a mead as part of the political alliances of those days, um, the sister of Astyages, the daughter, daughter of Cyraxes. He marries this median girl, makes her his queen. And, 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 of course, anyone who's been to Iran knows that Iran is one of the most mountainous countries in the world. Mm. She missed the mountains. She's like, okay, I'll build mountains in the city. <laughs> and so he does. He builds artificial mountains in the city. Wow. She came from an area that was cold where they get snow. 
and she kind of missed the cold, you know, because in Babylon you can you can hit fifty degrees. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so she was just melting as you would, as I think anybody would when it's fifty degrees. And it's like that's fine. I'll air condition my palace. And so he air conditions the palace. Mm. You know, this is Nebuchadnezzar. He does not. And 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 the genius of the city of Babylon and what it becomes when you understand that Daniel and his friends, the Bible says, were ten times wiser than the wisest men of Babylon. It makes you stop and think: how much of the engineering, how much of the mathematics, how much of the science that went into that originated with these guys? Wow. Mm. Because we're going to find that they have massive credibility later on in this story mm. that lasts through multiple generations of Babylonian kings and multiple empires. Mm. That's the level of genius that these guys rise to. And so this is all originating there in Babylon. And, of course, mm. Daniel is second year of university when this story happens, probably excelling himself, but pretty much... An unknown kid. Yeah. Nebuchadnezzar has a dream and he wants to know the interpretation. Is this something that you commonly do, Lawson? Um, well, have dreams or need, you know, ask people to interpret my dreams? Um, ask people to interpret your dreams. No, this is not something that I commonly do. Uh, do you commonly wake up thinking about your dream and trying to... Come up with an interpretation of that dream. No, but I do know. You featured in a dream I had the other day, by the way. <laughs> okay. Um, what I do know is that I have actually extensive dreams and I wake up and I can never remember them. Yeah, that's right. Like, Absolutely. This is not an uncommon phenomena that happens right here, is it? Mm, it's classic. Yeah. What happens? You have a dream and you just can't remember it. And it's the worst, especially like I don't dream super often, but when you do, when I do dream, I know that it's like extensive. I'm like, yeah, that was a story, you know, that was like a big thing. And then, yeah, you never remember them. What's interesting is that, um, is how much weight the ancients would play, place on dreams yeah, well, and mm. You know, you can read uh, the stories of the Persian and Greek wars as an example where the Persians are attacking the Greeks and they're just making the sky turn black with arrows Mm. and the Greeks are hunkered down under their shields and they're just letting these arrows fall and they're getting smashed and behind them the priests are sacrificing animals and looking at the entrails for omens and all of the omens are saying you can't attack, you can't attack, you can't attack and so they're just sitting there under their shields just getting smashed and the omens are saying you can't attack, you can't attack, you can't attack and the Greeks are like, why, what's going on? And eventually they do a sacrifice and suddenly the priests say, oh, you can't attack and so then they you know, mm. they can actually get stuck into it. You know, This is how much weight they placed yeah, on wow. You know, They're dying in droves because the omens are bad. Mm. And and they don't attack until the omens are good. Yeah. You know, they're prepared to die for this kind of stuff. And here Nebuchadnezzar gets a dream and he needs to know what the omens are. Yeah. What what's what's this dream saying? Um okay, so let's let's read about this dream. Oh, I can't I can't handle that here. Um try try uh yeah, try this Bible. Oh yeah, yeah, you 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 pull out a, a a new King James there. I just can't read Daniel two in an NLT because it's kind of against the rules. It's against the rules of Bible study. Okay, can't be done. Daniel chapter two, and we continue reading. Yes. 
from verse two. I think verse, we got up to. so. No, we covered verse two. Let's go okay. to verse three. Oh, can you read verse two again? <clears throat> okay, verse two. Then the king gave the command to call the magicians, the astrologers, the sorcerers, and the Chaldeans to tell the king his dreams. So they came and stood before the king. Keep going. Um, and the king said to them, "I have had a dream, and my spirit is anxious to know the dream." Then the Chaldeans spoke to the king in Aramaic, O king, live forever. Tell your servants the dream, and we will tell you the interpretation of the dream. Okay, so let's stop there for a moment. Let's notice what is taking place. It is the Chaldeans who speak up, Mm -hmm. and they speak in Aramaic, which is the Chaldean language. The Chaldeans here, they're like, yeah, we'll be the ones, you know, out of all the sorcerers, soothsayers, and so forth, we're going to be the ones who are going to answer answer this one for you. Bad mistake on their part. ancient land, Chaldea. In the mind of a troubled king Came a dream of power and meaning Yet the dreamer forgot everything But another who dreams of our future Will never forget what he sees So let's believe this dreamer, please The forgetter was Nebuchadnezzar who called his magicians in But they couldn't see much there And they trembled with fear and chagrin Oh children, remember the spirit Who knows every dream we've dreamed Who tells us we are highly esteemed The king dreams He sees the future
That was the Lesser Light Collective with The King Dreams. Um, yeah. You're listening to Faith FM Breakfast Show. We are in the middle of our Encounter with God section. We are in the middle of our Bible study of Daniel chapter 2, and we're about to have another clue for our yes, quiz. Nobody snapped this one up yet. Are. Okay, who am I? I laid out a wool fleece to see if the Lord would use me as he said he would. Okay, a fleece. Ooh. Who lays out a fleece? It's testing God. Absolutely. Saying, hey, God, is this what's up? Like, is this what you want me to do? Obviously, um, it's probably in relationship to the last clue because he was um, told to deliver the Israelites out of the hand of Midian. So it's like, okay, God, if you actually wanted me to do this, please give me a sign because it's pretty scary. Yep. But um, yeah, if you know who it is, 1-800-324-843, you will win a prize completely for free. Indeed you will. Okay, so we are back into our encounter with God. Daniel chapter 2, the king dreams a dream. He wants to know the interpretation of the dream. Um, he has asked his counselors to come in. The Bible says that the uh, the magicians and the soothsayers and the sorcerers and the Chaldeans have gathered together and the Chaldeans have put up their hand as the group is going, who is going to answer him his dream. Now, the Chaldeans, of course, you've got to understand this is the scientific elite. Mm. And also the political elite mm. of Babylon. So they're all; these are all different groups that have been mentioned here uh, within the king's cabinet that all play significant roles. And any one of those groups could have put their hand up, but the Chaldeans mm. decide to do so. They're like, "Yeah, Nebuchadnezzar, we're part of your family. We will help you out with this one. We're the ones who can interpret this dream for you." And that turns out to be an epic mistake. <laughs> As we continue on here. What is the next thing that Nebuchadnezzar says? Um, so, basically, they, they say to him, Yeah, tell us the dream and we'll tell you the interpretation. The king answered and said to them, to the Chaldeans, My decision is firm. If you do not make known to me the dream and its interpretation, you shall be cut in pieces and your house shall be made an ash heap. However, yeah, whoa, 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 whoa. i got to read this from the KJV. It's way better in a KJV. Oh, come on, Lyle. Here it is. This, here it is. Here it is. Listen to this. The king answered and said to the Chaldeans, The thing is gone from me. In other words, I've forgotten it. If you will not make known unto me the dream, with the interpretation thereof, you shall be cut in pieces and your houses shall be made a dunghill. <laughs> a dung. A dunghill. <laughs> This is Nebuchadnezzar using rather bad language to describe what he's going to turn their houses into. If you can sort of imagine, you know, a psychopath when he lets fly. Okay, so here's what you've got. This is an insight now into Nebuchadnezzar's mental state. Mm. Very unstable. Yeah, yeah. And this is not uncommon. It is not uncommon that you find, you know, we, we, we all say there's a very fine line between genius and insanity. Mm. Nebuchadnezzar walked that line and on occasions he stepped over it. Mm. There is no question the guy was pure genius. Mm. There is also no question he was a total psycho. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, towards the end of his life, we find that he, he, he just completely loses it mm. mentally, has a complete and total mental breakdown, um, suffers from clinical boanthropy. Um, and self-identifies as something other than a human being, as a cow. Mm. That's a story for another day. But uh, this gives you an insight. So this is his own family. His own family comes to him, the Chaldeans, and they're like, yes, 
pick me, pick me, pick us. We will tell you the interpretation. We want a few branding points right now. He's like, well, here's the problem. I've forgotten what the dream is. Yeah. Um, but rather than saying, I need you to tell me what I dreamed, he says, if you don't tell me what I dreamed, he starts straight out. He just lays it all on the table. I'm going to cut all of you, my family, into small pieces and turn your houses into a pile of dung. <laughs> In the end, to put it politely, it's like a horror movie. It's like you'll be torn limb from limb. <laughs> your houses will be turned into rubble. It's like, man, this guy is wild. Like, and and the reality is, what you've got to remember is that Nebuchadnezzar has inherited this empire by conquering the Assyrians Mm -hmm. who have ruled this region of the world for centuries. Mm. And they have ruled it through pure fear. And so if he is looking for a a model, Mm. you know, because previous governments, your new governments will often model themselves on previous governments. He's looking at the Assyrians like, okay, how does govern government actually work what has been modeled to me on effective government mm. and the thing that has been modeled to nebuchadnezzar is pure sheer unadulterated terror is the way you rule your subjects wow yeah and so he's like, like yeah we just you know continue as normal this is what the Assyrians did so i'll do the same uh you cross me and you're not just dead you're dead very slowly and very painfully and very publicly. In a dung heap. And your houses are turned into a dung heap so that everybody who walks past that goes, what a pile of dung. <laughs> you know, this, is, this is what happened to me. This is, this is what, no, that's right. yeah. Absolutely. Okay, so he's forgotten his dream. Now, this is uh, not unusual because you were mentioning earlier you have very, very vivid dreams on occasions, Lawson, and you can't remember a thing. Oh, it's the worst. I think I remember maybe 1% of what I dream. Yeah. The next day? Mm-hmm. Nebuchadnezzar can't remember this one. And I'm sure that for Nebuchadnezzar, this is something that he has, an experience that he has had on multiple occasions mm. where he has uh, yeah, not been able to remember a thing mm. of what he dreamed. But this time is different. This time he's dreamed something that he actually really seriously... It was a dream like nothing else he's ever had before, and he really seriously does need to know the answer. Yeah. And something is driving him. You need to know the answer. And so this is why one of the reasons why he lashes out like this. He calls them together. Um, they put up their hands, you know, pick me, pick me, pick me. It's like, okay, I'll pick you. All right, here's the, here, are the, here are the terms of your interpretation of the dream. You need to tell me what a dream because I've forgotten it. And you need to tell me the interpretation. Mm. Now, this is significant because if Nebuchadnezzar had not forgotten his dream, what happens later in the story becomes kind of pointless. Yeah. Because things that you, you know, if he was just if he was just lying, like trying to pretend or make out that he hadn't forgotten the dream, there's nothing supernatural happening further on in the story because all it is is a little bit of harem gossip getting back to some young guys and they're like, aha, we have the answer. Mm. But he's actually genuinely forgotten it. Yeah. It's gone from him. He can't remember it. So he can't even share harem gossip that can leak out to the uh, wise men. And you can imagine as his cabinet is walking out of there 
thinking this is what is hanging over our heads right now unless we come up with an answer and an interpretation, they're going to be putting out all of their sources. Mm. They're going to be turning over every stone in Babylon to find out a rumor <clears throat> as to what the king may have dreamed. Mm. But there's nothing because he got, actually forgot it. Yeah. Couldn't remember it. It's wild. It's hectic. <laughs> Let's read it. Lawson, why don't you read for us? Uh, ooh, we're out of time. There's so many good verses here. We're going to have to finish up and we're going to have to do more of this tomorrow. Uh, Let's just read verse 6. Okay, okay, okay. However, if you tell the dream and its interpretation, you shall receive from me gifts, rewards, and great honor. Therefore, tell me the dream and its interpretation. This is typical Assyrian mindset, carrot and stick. Mm. Do the right thing. You're going to be dripping with wealth. Cross me and you die slowly, <laughs> publicly, and painfully. It's just literally how the oh. how the Assyrians worked, and he has inherited this from the Assyrians, and he's following their policy, and not much has changed.
how can I study the Bible better? I want to get to know Jesus, but where do I even start? Faith FM would like to invite you to a local Bible study group right here in Druin, where you can join with other people on a journey of discovery, learning about a loving and caring God who wants us to have the best life possible. We meet each Wednesday evening at 6.30pm in the Druin Library Conference Room. All are welcome, so invite your friends and family, and remember, there are no stupid questions. Each Wednesday evening, 6.30pm, at the Druin Library Conference Room. For more information, call or text Ben on 0403 053 288. That's 0403 053 288. Forgiveness. It's easier said than done. But now there's a new approach to help us be more forgiving. A program called Forgive to Live. It's designed to help us all improve our lives. You'll discover the healing power of forgiveness. A relationship breakdown, long-term hurt, unresolved conflict. Through Forgive to Live, you can break this cycle and start living a more forgiving life. So if you're keen to take that first step, head to forgivetolive.org.au. You're listening to Faith FM, positively different radio. I owe you some kind of apology I've escaped there so many times I know I'm only living By the saving grace that's over me This time I'd have thought I would be sleeping In a pine box for all eternity Well my faith keeps me alive But I'll still be weeping But for the saving grace that's over death of life then comes the resurrection wherever I am welcome is where I'll be I put all my confidence in him my soul protection is the saving grace that's over me
With a devil's shining light It can be most blinding But Just search for love It ain't no more than vanity And as I look around this world All that I'm finding Is the saving grace that's over me Well, the wicked know no peace And you just can't fake it There's only one road And it leads to Calvary It gets discouraging at times But I know I'll make it By the saving grace that's over me And you are listening to Josh Cunningham with Saving Grace here on The Breakfast Show. This is the Double L team bringing you the question of the day. I was going to say Encounter with God, but it's question of the day. But before we have a question of the day, day, we have a quiz for the day. So get ready to call us right now. 1-800-324-843 is the number to call. What have you got for us there, Lawson? All right. Who am I? Man, we've done a bunch of clues for this dude. Um, We know that he... He was told by God to bring the Israelites out of the hand of uh, Midian. We know that he laid out a wool fleece um, to, as a test. Um, but also, uh, we know now, um, the next clue is that he is one of the judges of Israel. Okay. There you go. So, he's a judge of Israel. Mm-hmm. Who puts out a fleece. Who puts out a fleece in order to save Midian. Mm-hmm. If uh, you know the say, answer, no, save the Israelites from, from Midian. Midian. If you know the answer, one eight hundred three two four eight four three is the number to call. So give us a call right now, and there will be a prize coming your way. Lawson, what have you got for us in question of the day? Okay, this is somewhat Daniel-related question because this figure is uh, is is um, in featured in the book of Daniel. Um, who was the angel Gabriel? Okay, this is a really good question because there is so much information out there about the angel Gabriel. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you look at the you know the Wikipedia page on Gabriel, it's a huge long page, so much information about Gabriel. And yet in the Bible, Gabriel is only mentioned in four verses. So all of this information that is out there is built around four verses of Scripture. Mm-hmm. Okay, so let's start with what Gabriel is not. Gabriel yes. is not an archangel. Oh, there you go. The Bible does not teach that anywhere. This comes from tradition, and even as a part of tradition, it is actually an impossibility. Mm-hmm. Okay, so first of all, we need to think about what an archangel is. Um, an archangel is, um, or an angel is a messenger. That's what the word angelos means. It simply means messenger. But what does the word, arc, the word arc mean? If you have an arc enemy, it's kind of something that you only find in literature and only in older literature these days, but it's usually, you know, back in the day, you'd be, your, your worst enemy would be described as your arc enemy. Mm. So what makes an arc enemy? What would make an enemy fall into that particular category? It's not just being a normal enemy, but an arc enemy. 
If they were the worst. The worst. Enemies. Can you have two the worst? Is that possible? No. No, because one is always going to be slightly worse than the other. Isn't that so? Yes. All right, so here's what you find with Gabriel. Gabriel is not the archangel or an archangel. It is impossible to have an archangel because arch simply means greatest and you can't have more than one greatest. There is always one who is the greatest and others who might be close, but they're still not the greatest. Mm -hmm. You can't have plural of greatest. You can only have singular of greatest. And there is only one archangel or one greatest messenger, and that is Michael in the Bible. Mm-hmm. Michael is the only one who is described as the archangel or the greatest messenger. But Gabriel certainly ranks very, very highly amongst the angels. There's no question about that. If we look at the passages of the Bible where he is spoken of, you'll find him in Daniel 8.16, Daniel 9.21. Uh, Luke one nineteen and Luke one twenty six. Of course, Gabriel is implied in very strongly in Daniel chapter seven. It's implied that Daniel that Gabriel is the one who is there. Wherever we find Gabriel turning up, Gabriel is turning up with a message about prophecy. To an individual. So Gabriel is somebody who comes to this earth and explains prophecy. Mm-hmm. And the two prophecies that he, are, he is here to explain is, number one, the greatest messianic prophecy that you find in the Bible. That is uh, the 70-week prophecy of Daniel chapter 9 that gives you the exact date of the arrival of the Messiah and the exact date that he would die for our sins. So Gabriel turns up to Daniel to explain that prophecy to Daniel. Mm. Gabriel comes back again to Zechariah to announce that that prophecy's time has been fulfilled. This is the work of Gabriel, a very, very highly favoured angel indeed. Jesus scatters the seeds of his kingdom far and wide Announces new birth. I, the Lord of creation, am making new every inch of the groaning. Like the smallest of seeds in the winter is the king. It's song, but the powers of hell shall against it fail when the kingdom of God is grown. Oh, we wait for the Lord of the harvest, and we long for our King to appear. Of his kingdom in the hearts 
of the poor and the weak. He declares to the captives, I bring good news. You shall be mighty oaks of strength. Though we wait for the That was Wendell Kingborough with The Seeds of the Kingdom. You're listening to The Breakfast Show and we have come to the end of today's presentation. So that means something great is about to come up soon. <laughs> yes. Because all good programming, positively different radio right here. Yes. Uh, however, before we get to it, Lawson is going to give you a gift. Oh, okay. This is the good this is the good part. Okay. 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 If you're the first caller through. So we have been doing a Bible study. Yes. In Daniel chapter two. Yes. So I thought, how appropriate would it be? Like, this is a genius move. If we give away an amazing DVD that's all about Daniel oh, yes. chapter two. Why don't we do that all week? That way everyone can get one who's our first caller through this week. Yeah, Maybe. sure. Let's do it. We'll, we'll, Daniel we'll two, see. We'll Daniel see. 2 documentary if we can. We, so we, we this... won't make any promises right now, but we will see if we can do this. Daniel. Okay. This is a documentary. This is like an in-depth documentary. In-depth, awesome documentary called Kingdom Come. It's amazing. It's an amazing... Historical and biblical and eschatological experts from around the world mm. being interviewed. Um, on location, um, footage, just fantastic. All about this chapter in the Bible that we've been studying. So, yeah, if you want this DVD, give us a call 1-800-324-843 and we will give it to you completely for free. We love your company here on Faith FM. We look forward to it every morning. We love it when you join us as a part of the show. We feel like you are part of our family and let's today talk faith, live faith, act faith and you will grow strong in Jesus. Before you, Father, I've been asking for peace in the rest of the country. Heard of Lord's evening. Before you, Father, I've been asking for peace in the rest of the country. Mm-hmm. Our Father, oh, oh, oh. our Father, we are asking. For peace 
Reveal yourself, reveal yourself. 